This is a Hot Pie Media original. When the first wave came, I dove under. I've never dove deeper under a wave. I think I went about 20 to 25 feet deep. The water went pitch black. And then I just knew what way was up. Good thing equilibrium's going, and I just kicked as hard as it could. My adrenaline was going so hard in this moment that I felt so nauseous. I thought I was going to have to get out of the water. It, it, it was just an overwhelming amount of adrenaline and everything going through my body because I had just dove under this. I thought I was going to die. It was a, it was a building-sized wave coming at me, and I was all by myself because all the jet skis had gone in. Hi, I'm Eric Corum, and this is The Blueprint. I've spent my life helping Olympic gold medalists, NFL, and NCAA athletes be the best at their craft. Now I'm taking that experience and translating it into your life. This podcast is for busy professionals and household CEOs who care deeply about their family, career, and their health. There's an ocean of content to wade through, but I do the heavy lifting for you and distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your lifestyle and goals. Zach Noyle is considered to be one of the best extreme sports photographers in the world, but he's not just a photographer. He's an athlete himself. Based on the Hawaiian island of Oahu, Zach spends countless hours in the water creating dramatic imagery and artful interpretation of the world's most magnificent ocean environments. I found Zach on Instagram and was intrigued by the beauty of his photography and the extreme lengths he goes through to capture these stunning images. He and I met and quickly bonded over our passion for high performance. You are in for a treat today because he unpacks some very scary moments in the water and how he faces fear through diligent preparation. Zach also discusses how he tracks his performance, his sleep, and other high performance habits. But before we get to my interview with Zach, if you love to exercise and want to unlock the power of your wearable device, then you need to check out the AIM7 app. AIM7 provides you with custom exercise recommendations to prevent burnout and improve long-term fitness. In addition, AIM7 does a deep dive analysis on your data and after 30 days provides you with custom recommendations to improve your health and wellness. The great thing is this is all layered on top of the exercise programs that you already love to do. So whether you love Peloton, Apple Fitness Plus, or your favorite HIIT program at your local gym, AIM7's recommendations work with what you already enjoy doing. So if you have a wearable device like an Apple Watch, Whoop, or Aura Ring, then go to www.aim7.com, that's A-I-M-7.com, to get early and free access to our exclusive program. We're only letting a limited number of people in each month, and the app is not available on the App Store yet, so sign up now if you want to level up in 2022. But now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Zach, stoked to have you on today. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm just excited to be here, talk shop with you and, you know, learn to best optimize life. No question. I want to talk at the beginning about how you got into surf photography and videography, because the way I found you, I was on social media and I saw this video where you're talking about like these waves are coming in. And, um, you know, it's like 10 foot swells or something like that. 10 foot waves. But you've got a helmet on and yeah. you're going, it's in, and you're in it and you're like, I got to get it back out there. I got to get back out there. Like, how did you get into this? Cause you're like an extreme athlete and an artist, which is 
amazing. So how did you get into this? You know, I've been born and raised here in Hawaii. I'm surrounded by the ocean. We're surrounded by the best waves, the best surfers in the world. And so being drawn to photography through a love for the ocean is where I came from. My dad is a commercial photographer. He shoots hotels, food, fashion, a very different landscape. And so I was never too interested in photography until I really started missing and loving the ocean when I moved away to California for a little bit. And I was like, oh man, I want to, you know, shoot more. I want to get that going and, and get that. So it was something that spurred me on to pick up a camera to be able to record these moments. And mind you, this is 2004, 2005, very early days of digital. Mm. So I was still shooting film at the time and just kind of taken it from there and progressed in that manner. Wow. So your dad, you know, you were exposed to this as an early age, you know, photography itself. What about, was he on the water at all? Was he a surfer? Um, was you know, he... He, he was a surfer, but he was never doing water or surf photography. Mm. So it was a very different world. And, you know, it is quite a specialty because when you're in the water, you're going to tread water. You're going to make sure there's no water on your, le your lens, on the housing. You're going to um, make sure your settings are right and not drown. So there's a lot of <laughs> elements coming at you rather than setting a tripod on land. And, you know, it's, they're both art forms, but in a very different way. Like, you, you know, you're being chased down by these waves and trying to hold your breath and go under, but compose the image to make sure your horizon is straight, mm -hmm. you know? So you, yeah. you were an athlete though, growing up, uh, you were a swimmer, correct? Uh, yeah. what else did you do? So I did swimming and water polo throughout, like from middle school through graduation and a little bit of college and um, ended up winning national or winning uh, state titles in swimming, sprint swimming uh, during high school and having some great success with that. And, you know, it always kept having me come back to the ocean. And so I attribute a lot of my comfortableness of uh, being in the ocean from those early days of pushing myself in swimming and water polo. You know, when you go out into these waves, they're massive. You're not going to overpower them. You're not going to outsmart them. You know, Mother Nature is in charge out there and in control. And so the best thing you can do is be prepared as well as, you know, um, being respectful. Because when you're out there, it's, it's, it's the ocean. And you have to have that great deal of respect, but also coming with that training and that preparedness and that experience, that is what's going to keep you safe and keep you going. So how do you prepare your mind and body? How do I prepare my mind and body? There's several things that I have changed in the past. I very much so treat myself as an athlete as well. So gone are the days of just wanting to think that you can go show up and shoot or do these things. I do a lot of cross training. A lot of cross training helps me to know that my body is physically prepared, whether it be swimming, running, um, you know, weight circuit, weight circuit, boxing, any of those things, they help my body physically as well as my mind. And then on my mind side, I've started a lot of meditation, um, a lot of sauna and ice, big fan of sauna and ice, um, and getting a good night's rest. I think sleep is one of the most, um, under like utilized methods of like really pushing your performance. And I feel that a lot of people kind of overlook that in a sense 
that, um, you know, oh, I, I got to go. I got to keep grinding. I got to go like sleep this for the week, all these things. And it's like, no, like this is how you're actually going to go further. This is how you're going to perform better. And this is how you're going to have longevity. Like you, you don't want to push it so hard and burn both ends until you're faltering at an early age. You know, you're sleep, you're, uh, you're speaking my love language when you talk about <laughs> sleep like that. Um, it is, a um, it is, it is the number one recovery and performance tool that you can, um, that you can use. I mean, there's, as you, you and I have talked about before, but, um, yeah. sleep is where learning and memory consolidation occurs. It's when your tissues are regenerated, your brain is flushed out from metabolic waste products. And people talk about, you know, you can sleep when you're dead. Well, you may die earlier if you don't get enough sleep. You know, Absolutely. it's like, it's that serious. And somebody like you, that's, you are an extreme athlete and you're an artist. And so you can't expect to be on your A game in both of those categories if your mind and body isn't working correctly. And, you know, I put out a ton of social media content. We talk about this here all the time, but yeah. I love hearing people that are in it saying, yeah. hey, like, this is something that I am. Um, I value how much sleep do you get a night? You know, I, I have a great routine and I I've only discovered that more recent. So I know how important it is for me to have that routine, you know, just to kind of run it through. It's like 5 PM. I'm trying to eat dinner because it gives myself some time to like digest before going to sleep about six 30. I'm reading for about an hour and I'm in bed by eight o'clock PM Hawaii time in a perfect world. Guys, I think one of the most important things, and it took me a little while, was breaking the routine, but also being able to come back to it and not beating yourself up over it. And I feel that's such an important thing because you're like, oh, no, I can't. I have to. I have to stick to it. I can't, you know, I can't eat that. I can't do this. I need to go. To, but it's like, you got to live your life. Yes. And, and I think that's the most important thing. And it took me a while because I was like freaked out that I was like missing one component of it or I wasn't going to sleep it. Eight, I mean, it was 9.30, 9.45, but it was like, you're okay. You're going to be okay. Get back on track the next day. And doing that and knowing that it's okay to break that cycle was a hard thing for me to like learn at first. Once I did get my routine, because I'm like, no, I got to stick to it because I felt like, you know, it was a well-oiled machine. So I was like, I'm, I was so scared to have any falter and derail myself. But that was the wrong thinking, you know? And, and that was something that like, it took me a bit to understand that like, you're going to be all right. <laughs> you're going to be okay. If you eat that, you're going to be okay. If you sleep a little later, like, you know, and, and do that. It's, it's everything in moderation. No question. I had Dr. Andy Galpin on, he's a um, high performance specialist. He's a, um, he's a muscle biologist, physiologist, and really sharp dude. And he talked about like this idea of like, you know, resilience and not being, everything can't be perfect. And so like, if you try to create this perfect scenario all the time, right. And then you deviate when it's time to perform, something happens and you get thrown off, you're going to have a hard time performing well. So perturbations can throw you off. So like, yeah, sometimes you're going to travel and the food isn't going to be optimal, but if you've enjoyed a hamburger here or there, yeah. or like yeah. your, your gut and everything's going to adjust. Um, if yeah. you, you know, last night I went to my son's all-star baseball game and I had to get up really early to drive to Austin to record the podcast. And here right. I am, I'm doing what, but I've put yeah. a lot in the bank, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, you get up early though. 
you get up I do real early, like what, five o'clock? Four thirty? Yeah, at least, you know, four thirty to five o'clock. And, and you know, I read the book, um, you know, the five AM club where they kind of talk about seizing your day. And, you know, it's, it's, it's with a grain of salt again, everything that you kind of do in those it's again, moderation, but I wasn't working out before work. I was coming in, I was drinking a lot of caffeine and I knew I needed to make changes. So recently I started my own agency and like a creative content agency. And I was burning both ends. I was here 6am with a large cold brew coffee and I was leaving at 6pm no workout because I had to, I had to just stay busy. I, I thought I was progressing and doing it in the early stages. You're wearing every hat. What I saw was burnout coming on and that scared me. And I had a few moments where I was like, had to just pull back and do it's like, okay, we're going to change these things. You need to get back to working out. I, I used to work out before the pandemic all the time. When the pandemic came, it was like, Oh, work out at home. I'm like, eh, no, like, you know, it, that it just wasn't for me. I, I couldn't do that. And so what I saw with that was, okay, the only excuse for like not working out in the morning is you waking up. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, you're going to wake up early and take that as your time in the morning and then get into the office about seven, wake up at 435, glass of water, stretch, meditate, sauna for 15 minutes. And then I go and work out. And, you know, the workouts vary, whether it's a hot yoga or a swim and run at the beach or like a traditional like weightlifting, but it's something to get my blood flowing, get my mind going. I saw myself not needing caffeine at all anymore by changing this routine and getting that blood flowing, eating a little bit better, sleeping better. I don't need the caffeine. How, how long and did it take you before you felt like you didn't need the caffeine? I kind of went cold Turkey. So it was like, you know, like a, maybe like three weeks to a month, I'd say until I started seeing like, Hey, I'm not tired. And, and, you know, I equate like the caffeine was me thinking I needed to stay at this peak all day, mm. but I think it was falsified in my mind because it's like, Oh, 6am, like, okay, 10am. Okay. 2pm, like a double espresso. And then my body would crash by 3:34. Don't even talk to me. I'm so done. My brain adrenaline, everything has done. And I haven't worked out. So there was a lot of those changes that I wanted to do in order for longevity. Mm -hmm. I, I want to keep doing this. I don't want to do this just right now. I want to see how I can keep. I love to keep saying like, how do I optimize my brain more? I want to use it more. I only have so many hours in the day and kind of creating those kind of things um, and making those routines. I make sure that I leave the office at three, three thirty every day. I could definitely stay longer, but it's like, okay, boundary done, go home now, you know, because otherwise I don't want to reach that burnout stage. I don't want to not love what I do, whether it's out in the field or in the office working and creating projects and scripts. It, I want to keep doing those things for a very long time. And I think the only way to protect that is to have those great uh, routines and boundaries that ensure that like lifespan. I love it. No, I mean, you are the epitome of a high performer and I love how you were introspective enough to look at your lifestyle and go, this isn't sustainable. This isn't uh, a way that I can carry on doing what I want to do. And if, if you're listening to this and go, he's done by three 30, 
Yeah, you're also up at 4.30 and you're in the office at 7 a.m. So you're yeah. getting eight, half, nine hour work day. In. And if, if you think about it, if you really get three to five legit hours of focused work, no baloney, no email checking, like you are crushing it. And, um, you know, I've been looking at my own routines lately and just trying to refine it and be like, okay, what is sustainable? Because I'm going to have a really big 2022 coming up. And I'm going to use December to prepare for that and kind of do my own Zach and, uh, <laughs> and recalibrate a few things. Um, so quitting coffee, I really quitting caffeine. I think that's, that's very admirable changing your work schedule. Uh, these are all things that people may be afraid to do, right. but you also looked at the upside. Have you, have you noticed that you're just, you're doing better quality work? Absolutely. I don't see myself, you know, kind of crashing in the afternoons. I'm, I'm good. I could keep going, but it's like time to go. You know what I mean? And like, I, I make that, that I have to go rather than like, I'm just brain is done at that point. Um, I'm seeing a better sleep quality for myself. You know, I, I would go home, I'd still go to sleep. So I was like, I'm fine. I drink all this caffeine. I sleep fine, but my body and mind were just so exhausted, but I wasn't getting a good sleep. I was getting a very restless sleep and I didn't do that until I started like sleep tracking a little more and seeing that, that I was like, I sleep fine. I go home, I lay on the pillow. I'm done. I'm good. Not thinking about it. And when I started looking at like analytics of what was actually happening, I was like, holy cow, you're actually not. And so that was another piece so of you, like, you're wearing your aura ring right now. Both of you and I yes. are wearing one. You got the new one. Yeah. I'm waiting for mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't know that we had that in common either. Uh, yeah. just our love of this stuff. Obviously I have a whole company built around it, but, um, what did you learn from diving into your aura ring data? We're going to take a break for just a moment to talk about how you can get exclusive content designed for living a high performance life. Every week I send out a newsletter called adaptation in this newsletter. I provide you with information and resources to improve your health, well-being, and performance. I cover topics like sleep, stress, exercise, nutrition, and mental performance. You can sign up today for this free newsletter at www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. You know, just seeing like my HRV, like my heart rate variability mm -hmm. and how I was recovering through the night, you could see a difference from when I worked out or I didn't work out that day before how much strain you had on your body. And then just seeing how much I was waking up when I was on caffeine, I didn't realize how restless I was. You know, you, I, oh, I slept great. And then I started wearing that. I was like, oh man, you're, you're not, you, you, you think you are, but your body is just so tired from all that caffeine that it's going, I'm not against caffeine at all. I'm no, not, telling, you no, know what no. I mean? Yeah, like yeah. people need it. I think I'd maybe go back to a tea every once in a while. Right now I'm like, let's go full clean. It's been about eight months. And then I can slowly start introducing things like that. I've, you know, haven't drank alcohol in about six, seven months. I've just been kind of really on, like you said, recalibration. I can't drink and alcohol sick. at all. Like yeah. just, I'm just want to throw this in there. My wife and I just competed in this jujitsu tournament and nice. uh, it was master worlds in Vegas. That was a whole nother, I should do a podcast on that. That's cool. Uh, what does it feels like to grapple a grizzly bear? Um, but I, uh, I, after it was over at that night, we decided, oh, was it that night or the next, the next day we went to brunch at this wonderful place. And they had this like jalapeno margarita. No, like it wasn't really like sugary, but I was like, you know, what? I was yeah. like, I'd love that. So we had, 
I swelled up from just one drink. And, you know, like it's amazing. Like when you have like kind of this pure, clean living and even though there's nothing wrong with having a drink here or there, like your body will react to it. And for me, it's just like, and that was probably the first drink I've had in, I don't know, five, six months. Um, it's just very, very interesting. Um, so anyways, continue on. I, you and I both love the O-ring. I yeah. think it's a fantastic wearable device. Yeah, me too. And and just being able to see like your heart rate, the restlessness, um, your body temperature. I really do that, use that in order to kind of push myself more. So I'll wake up and you never want to be like hinging on it and let it change your mindset, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yes. Because otherwise you're going to create like anxiety and have that. But what I do is I wake up, see how I feel. I'm like, am I going to go, you know, hot yoga and really push it? Or let's go do like a walk run on the beach and a swim, a little less strenuous than like a brutal hour of hot yoga. And um, I'll kind of base it on that sometimes. I'll, I'll look at my data and be like, okay, it's it's time to kind of like push it. You, you slept really great. Let, let's go. But um, other times it's like, okay, you know, it, you need a nap today. Not bad to have like a little 15, 20 minute nap or a meditation at some point that helps to re-energize and and recharge yourself on that sense. But, you know, it's a tool and it's how you take it because if this isn't going to just make me sleep good, I had to look at that data and really start to fine tune and pulling the levers and seeing what it was to optimize for me, you know? And for me, I, it was like, Nope, I'm going cold Turkey on these things because I want to see, I hated being foggy. I, I hate that feeling. And whether it's from having some drinks on the weekend or whatever it is, I hate that feeling because like you said, you only have so many hours in the day and your time and those three to five hours, if you can really optimize, that's what I want to do when I'm here. I want to push now as hard as I can. And to do that, you got to be as clear as you can. Yeah. And I could see it in your face, man. You got clear eyes. Um, <laughs> you. No, that's really cool. That's one of the things that people struggle with, with these wearables though, is like, you got a lot of data. And yeah. you've got to know how to use it and shameless plug. That's why I built the company I built. Cause I was doing yeah. it for so yeah. long in sports. Like when we first started tracking, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but we put these like track, this is 2011 me and this, I hired a former NASA propulsion engineer and oh, we were geez. duct taping these devices that connected to GPS satellites and all this stuff on the football players pads. And we yeah. would get a stack of data and it was wow. just like, thousands and thousands and thousands of different things you could look at. And it's like, okay, how do we now use this to drive performance? And what you got to do is reverse engineer what you want. So for you, you value mental clarity, you value being able to be physically strong in the water so that you can be sharp. So what are the drivers? Sleep, got to look at heart variability, stress, and then you got to then dial what you're doing. Um, Super sharp. Not many people have, have figured that out. Um, and that's kind of why you have some drop off in the market sometimes is people are like, okay, well, I walk 8,000 steps. Well, what do I do now? You know, but, um, Absolutely. you're wearing the new aura three, right? Yes. This is aura three. So it's all day, um, heart rate tracking. What have you learned? So from I that? can kind of see, <sighs> you know, I was telling you, I, I love, uh, sauna and ice. Yeah. And so I've been very interested and was excited to wear that. And so just watching that spike. Um, you know, what I'm able to see also on the heart rate is when you get into the ice, your heart rate goes very high, Mm -hmm. but 
it's all in your mind of like controlling that being there in that moment. And so through breathing, you're able to lower your heart rate mm -hmm. to lower and slow down your breathing. And the moment you start hyperventilating and breathing, you're done. You're, you're, you've caused yourself that you're, you know what I mean? Like mentally yeah. that you're not able to hold it. So by bringing it down and calm breathing, even though it's painful, you just got to remember it's a couple minutes. It's tough couple minutes, but by doing that in the couple minutes, now you've overcame that stress. You've overcame that mind block as well as like that obstacle in order to be stronger. And so have, just kind of see what do you use for your ice bath? I actually use a freezer. So I bought a freezer from Costco, one of those chest freezers. Yeah. And I took off the hinges. I cocked the inside. So it's waterproof. You got to make sure you have one with a drain, obviously. And I sit in it. I have a 14.7 cubic one. I'm 6'2", 185 six two, pounds. Wow. And I can sit in it full legs, like almost straight because I got the massive one with a step and I built it into my deck and hands down the sauna and ice is my best um, investment in myself and my life that I've ever done. And it, I can't tell you enough of like the benefits of like sauna pre, but also that sauna ice combo I just, it, yeah, I love it. it the literature is good. Yeah. So like you can use ice in different ways. Do you fill it up every day? Do you change it out every day or is it? No, I change it every two to three weeks. Okay. And so what I do is I fill it, it plugs into power and right. that's how it stays cold four to five hours a night. And then I unplug it obviously when I go in and then, um, there's a little layer of ice on it. Oh dude, this is like real <laughs> cold. Yeah. You try to get it just under 40. So about right. 35. 34 is pretty optimal, but somewhere in that range really kind of like it's a sting at first, but then you're like good to go and you know, you're going back to the sauna. So it's all good. And you do this before you train or after you train? I generally do this in the afternoon because the thing that you need with sauna ice is time. Yeah, You cannot go into this with a rush or something you got to do. I've done shorter like um, cycles where you go, oh, quick ice, a quick sauna, and you, you're done. Mm -hmm. You always want to end on the cold, by the way, too. So you kind of close your pores and just finish there, and you're not sweating when going to the next thing. But you got to go with time. And that's the biggest thing. So I usually do it in the afternoon. So if I come home at 3.30, turn the sauna on, preheat it for 30 minutes, do a little cycle then, eat dinner, and start my wind down. And I don't generally do it in the morning just because, like, too many kind of variables and things happening in the morning for me to like sit there without being a little more anxious Yeah, where I just want to go there and just be like, I don't so, got anywhere else to be, but go eat dinner. Do you always do contrast? Not always in the mornings. I'll just do sauna. Yeah. So I'll start my day there. And I, I, I listened to a, um, another podcast, I think by Dr. Rhonda Patrick, yeah. uh, talking about sauna usage, um, before work and starting your day. And you're, you're signifying a lot of like the heat stressors. So you're, you're handling stress better through the day because you're kind of getting that out of your system and starting and igniting it prior. So when you get into work and when I get in at seven, no one comes to about nine 30, 10, it's fine. We all have kind of loose hours in the office. I have eight employees. Now my time from seven to nine 30, I get the most done for me and what I need to do because the moment people start coming in, I'm pulled in every direction. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm like, okay, you got to get in early, get your stuff done. And then it's like, I'm okay with that. I get my emails done. I get all my work done, my proposals, all of that. And now I can help on other projects and things like that. But that's why it's so important for me to have that time for myself.
Otherwise, I just drive myself crazy coming in later. Is this a regular hot sauna or are you using infrared? I'm using a regular hot sauna, the steam sauna. So I have the barrel sauna, the almost heaven, mm-hmm. and it's the four person's barrel sauna. You use steam, it's I've, not dry. I put water to it. Oh, so, so it's a dry it's sauna a though. It's like a- Yeah, it's a dry sauna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So the literature is pretty pretty strong on this. One of the benefits is you need to be like so they did all these studies it was uh in it was in the Netherlands and they looked at like um uh, all cause mortality. And um the key is it's got to be really hot 180 degrees or hotter and yeah. you need at least 50 plus minutes a week. And what happens is is your heart rate gets up. If you stay in there and don't drink water. So if you go for 20 minutes, your heart rate's going to get elevated and essentially what's happening is is you're getting low dose cardiac exercise. So you're increasing Whoa. cardiac output. So it's a low your heart rate should get up to about 120, 130. I'd be very Jeez. interested to know what your ring says because yeah. okay. I did this a lot with athletes and you need I think Huberman just put a tweet out about some of the latest literature was like 57 minutes of minimum a week is what you need kind of wow. the, the benchmark and then cold cold's really interesting because you're using it for stress um, i'm using it for stress if you're an athlete well you are an athlete but if you're like a training athlete you don't want to do cold very frequently after exercise because it blunts right. uh, yep. ad- the adaptive process you actually want you want that 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 inflammation. Yes, I, I've heard that you need to yes. wait an hour post workout if you're doing. But that's why a baseball player ices right away. He doesn't want that. You right. know what I mean? Post game. But if you were training in the gym or like a workout and you're trying to build the muscles, you want at least an hour mm-hmm. for that good inflammation. Anything after the hour is kind of too you know is is extra, and the ice can help to reduce that. And I so, believe it impacts the mTOR pathway, which is like the pathway for for muscle hypertrophy, but you're right. But if you're using it for stress, now you're talking about like using different types of breathing techniques to increase parasympathetic tone so that you can be calm in there. But then there's also a flip side. If you, you can use it for fat loss. Yes. So if you actually induce a shiver response, yeah, then you have yeah. some brown adipose brown tissue. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. I was actually at the um, UFC's, uh, performance Institute. My wife and I were there the day before training, uh, before we did worlds. And, um, you know, they have like a, you can stand neck deep cold tub. And I got in and I forgot how cold that stuff was. And I I literally had the, (gasps) and then, and then I was like, okay, started long exhalations. And about 45 seconds later, I was cool as a cucumber, literally freezing my butt off. But, um, I love it, man. It's one of those things that I want to get one day is the sauna. I just miss dry sauna. It, it does miraculous things for you. Um, outside of that, of the ice and the cold and your workouts, is there anything else that you do that's like maybe a little for recovery? Do you, besides meditation? Yeah. You know, and I think this is a very overlooked aspect of health recovery and just like general well-being is hydration. Yeah. And I feel many people overlook that of like, I drink so much water, but you can't just drink water. You need to have a certain amount of minerals as well for the electrolytes. Otherwise you're flushing your system of all of those things. If you're pounding water all day, you're going to be losing those minerals. And so it's such an important thing. I'm a big 
preacher of that to my staff, my friends and everything that like, you know, you need to have those certain amount of like electrolytes to put back in and just hydration. Because if you're trying to drink now because you have a headache or you're dehydrated or you're going to drink or you have this workout today, you're almost too late. You need to be doing that almost the day before and heavy hydration leading up to it is a key. Yeah. So like first thing in the morning, I drink uh, a little bit of electrolytes with magnesium bisglycinate. And then I have another magnesium um, serving later in the day, but electrolytes are actually, I got a whole podcast coming out on that. Nice. Um, I love that. If you understand muscle physiology, there's these things called action potentials. And so it's where you have this like sodium potassium pump and there's like this negative charge and positive charge and it kind of propagates and switches. If you were to kind of look at a a cell or or neuron, it kind of goes down the neuron. Well, you need these different electrolytes to be present. And when you start running short on sodium, like people uh, like vilify sodium, it's not bad for you, especially if you eat a clean diet. You Mm -hmm. need to make sure, like, add some sea salt to your water in the morning. You're going to feel, you're actually going to be able to think a little bit more clearly. I love what you're saying, man. This is so good. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Thank you. Switching gears just a second. When you're out in the ocean and you see these massive waves coming at you, how do you regulate your fear response? That is a great, great question. Um, you know, I'll give you a couple examples because I have some different scenarios and situations from real life that I can explain a little bit. But, you know, firstly, when I see a wave coming from experience, I know how to approach it. I mean, it's going to approach you, but if you're at a certain place, the wave is approaching. If you can't get out of the way, you can't make it under safely without it breaking on you. You're just wasting your energy. So guys that start just panicking and swimming, you're blurt burning that like blood oxygen and everything and, and going nuts on that and expending energy. Whereas like I see it, okay, not going to make it. It's going to pound me, but I'm going to let it come to me. At that point, I'm starting my breathing, <sighs> oxygenating my body and just getting myself ready. It's going to pound you whether you go five feet forward or you sit right there and you conserve the energy. So really doing that, that comes with experience to know not to panic, to know not to the, Hey, if I can get under the wave, I'm going to go, I'm still going to make a beeline for it, but you need to assess that situation. I think that's with anything in life of like assessing the situation and knowing like, are you really going to be able to like push through this? You know what I mean? Like whether Mm -hmm. it's a task or anything like that, but it's like starting that breathing and going in with that, the energy and how you approach it and what you do is so much stronger in your approach method, if yeah. that makes sense. Have you ever felt and like you were going to die? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had times I've blacked out. I've smashed my cameras in the water. So I'll take you back to 2016. And there's a big wave surf contest called the Eddie Aikau. Eddie Aikau was an incredible hero in Hawaii who saved many lives as a lifeguard. He was aboard Hokulea, which is our Hawaiian voyage and canoe, um, the first trip. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact year that this happened, but the boat got lost between the islands. When it was lost, he grabbed his board. He knew that he had to go save the people. And he took off in the night on his surfboard. Never seen again. Mm. And so they made this tagline, Eddie would go. 
And so the contest is called the Eddie because he always protected this bay called Waimea Bay. And the waves have to be 20 feet. That's 40 feet, 40 foot paces. That's a four story building. So in 2009, early on in my career, I was asked to shoot it. One of the biggest highlights of my career. It doesn't run every year. So the next one from 2009 was 2016. And they said, please come back and shoot it. They, it was almost too big that day because at a certain point, the bay closes out. So now we're talking 60 foot faces when it's closing out. So I'll get you a photo that I have of this, but there's a point where the jet skis kept going in and I would miss the other waves and I'm there to document it. So I'm like, I've trained my life for this moment. I know I can handle physically. I wouldn't put myself or then in turn others in danger of having to rescue me or doing that if I didn't know I was fully capable. So I asked the jet ski operator that I was on, can I swim in the water? Because I don't want to go in every time that the waves do because I'm missing the shots. They have to go in because it's closing out and that's just what has to happen. So I did that. And for when the first wave came, I dove under, I've never dove deeper under a wave. I think I went about 20 to 25 feet deep. The water went pitch black. And then I just knew what way was up. Good thing equilibrium's going. And I just kicked as hard as I could. My adrenaline was going so hard in this moment that I felt so nauseous. I thought I was going to have to get out of the water. It, it, it was just an overwhelming amount of adrenaline and everything going through my body because I had just dove under this I thought I was going to die. It was a, it was a building size wave coming at me and I was all by myself because all the jet skis had gone in mm. and, but through breathing, I had to collect myself because there was another wave coming. <laughs> so I had to dive under another one and it's like, am I going to get out of the water? No. So for that day, it's an eight hour period. I didn't get out of the water once I shot straight through swimming for eight hours, treading water with my camera and doing this. Because I had waited seven years for this moment, for this waves and this contest to come back and for this opportunity that I didn't want to miss one moment going on shore and eating a snack and seeing the wave of the day. So I stayed in there. But you know what happened after? What The moment the bell rang, I'm like, grab the jet ski. I went straight in. I was just done. I couldn't even look at my photos for about three, four days because there was so much adrenaline. I had trouble sleeping that night. There was so much going on, uh, visual simulation everything that I couldn't even look at my photos. I have an agent who loaded the photos, sent them out and we did everything we needed to do for our like deliverables. But I couldn't even look at it myself for a few days because it was so in my mind and it was just so overload of simulation. It, it was wild. I were mean, you just to this done? day, were you cooked? Cooked, cooked. I came in there. I think I drank like a gallon of water, but like I said, on hydration, I hydrated heavy the day before. I knew this was coming for days before guys, if you're only hydrating the day of the event, you're too late. I'm yeah. sorry, but like you need to do this the day before. Yeah. You're going to have to use a restroom a lot, but it's like, this is life. You know what I mean? Like if you want that health, that hydration is so overlooked. I feel that people don't do that. They have headaches from, they just, you don't understand. That's like, to me, one of the biggest keys in my health is hydration. Mm. Yeah. What I love is, is you prepared for the moment yes. and, and you were able to not only survive, but to thrive. And yes. a, I think a lot of people were like, want to do great things, but I, I, I don't want to be critical, but you got to put in the work. 
I mean, at some Absolutely. point you have to put in the work and not burn yourself out. That's not what we're talking no. about. We're talking about smart preparation and building capacity to do difficult things. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're looking, can you explain what you're showing behind me? I mean, this is like, <laughs> I thought it was a, a fake yeah. background at first. This is like amazing. No, no this is my uh, wall in my office here and it's actually a swell map. So you can see Japan and the swells originate from there. So the purple blob is a swell moving across and then it like hits Hawaii just down over here. And you can see how the swells kind of track across. So, you know, another layer of being a surf photographer and water photographer is kind of being an oceanographer, uh, a meteorologist, because you want to know when the winds are right. If the winds are offshore, perfect. If it's onshore, messy, no good. You know, it, there's certain periods of swell, the longer period that makes a cleaner swell. So having all these little bits and pieces, I'm looking at all these swell charts, these different things, and that's my world. And that's how we kind of take the biggest like gamble in order to make sure the waves are best where we travel or what we do or where we want to go and, and capture. This is amazing. Um, Thank you. So what, I mean, you are a high performer, but what does high performance mean to you? High performance means to me is just performing at that optimal level. I, I want to keep pushing. And, and before it was like, how fast could I go? And now it's like, how efficient can I go? How, how and, and with longevity? Because I think, you know, efficiency and um, duration is going to be a much better method rather than just pushing it until the wheels fall off. Yeah, I love it. And we've spent this whole time talking about your habits and practices. Is there anything new or an area that you're looking into to invest in your personal growth? Is there something that you're excited about that you're starting to read about or you're curious about? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I feel pretty good and like optimized, but I'm always looking for new things, reading, listening, um, trying to do. So I'm always like kind of an open book of seeing how better I can kind of like optimize my life and do that. And, you know, I think to go back, one of the other things of like sleep was finding that right temperature for sleeping. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big thing. That was another thing. I got one of those like chili pads yep. that you put on your bed yep. and Through best thing ever. Yes. Yeah. And, and best, another best investment ever, because before I would wake up in like sweating and I live in Hawaii guys. I, I don't have AC. I have a fan. I leave all my windows open and have a great like breeze of wind, but you couldn't sleep with a heavy blanket. And then sometimes it gets cold. Like our cold guys is like 68. Okay. <laughs> but you know, it, it still has that like fluctuation, especially without having AC. I want fresh air. I don't want to be breathing in like that AC air and getting that, I can sleep with a heavier blanket and I can see deeper sleep and try to fine tune that body temperature of like being able to go into a deeper sleep cycle. Uh, just, I'm a, I'm a nerd for those kind of things and finding those. I mean, it's not just to be like gimmicky or like, it's not a hack. Those. It's, it's real. No. I mean, yeah. when you, when your body cools at night and you have a temperature nadir, your, your temperature kind of bottoms out several hours before you wake up, it's called your temperature minimum. And by cooling yourself, you're actually helping your body transition to sleep better. That's actually why if you take a hot bath or shower, it cools mm. the surface of your skin. 
Oh. And so you actually can fall asleep quicker. You would think, oh my gosh, like why would I, yeah. people say take, take a warm bath or a hot shower. It actually cools the surface of your skin. And so you can, you have a, this temperature um, oh. switch that happens. No, I've actually been looking at getting one of those. Cause um, I'm, you know, you have my, I'm my wife, you know, we, we have different, yeah. you know, she's obviously not as big as I am different yeah. body types. And uh, I get a little hotter at night, but I like mm-hmm. that big blanket. So you've, you've yeah. kind of, you're pushing me over the edge now. Yeah. And and you know, what's great. I got the one with like two units. So, you know, you can pick like on the other side. So your wife could have a different temp as opposed to yours, you know what I mean? A little bit warmer and things. So just, I love the technology moving in this way. And I think it's how you utilize it and optimize it. And then, um, you know, everything else that you can do it, it does, nothing's going to do it automatically for you. Right. Yeah. But like at this point, it's like how much you take it, how much you do it and how you utilize it. It can live a really great life. No question. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, you make some, I mean, your I call it artwork because that's what it is. I mean, your works of art are amazing. Okay. Where can people purchase those? Like find them? Because I your, your website is awesome. And I know you've got prints Thank on there. You. Is that the only place that you sell them? Yeah, right now we're just doing online sales. Um, there we very affordable, galleries. by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, this isn't <laughs> like you're going to go on there and it's like eight hundred dollars. I mean, I'm sure you have some stuff like that, but what was it like thirty dollars for some of these prints? Yeah, the smaller prints are thirty, and it can go all the way up. It depends on like the finish, the material, and um, there's like limited like editions as well. So that all like makes like a difference of it. But yeah, it's just on my website right now, zachnoyle.com, and um, I love sharing that. I mean, I think one of the things that I missed on was why I got into photography too. Also was like being able to share moments within the water that 99.99% of the world will never see with their own eyes, namely my mom. Mm -hmm. So she's very active and she'll never go into waves. You know what I mean? It's got to be dead flat and she enjoys the ocean and the beach, but she'll never go in waves. So the conditions and locations and places, situations that I put myself in, these people never see with their own eyes. So for me to be able to capture these moments in a way that like puts the viewer there, that is my goal. That I mean, is there was what a, pushes there's me. There's one where like beautiful, uh, like uh, like tunnels of water, but there was one that was very sad to me and it was all this <laughs> junk in yes. the wave. And I really, I looked at that and I, it kind of it really made me sad um, yeah. because it's just, it's sad. I mean- when you, yeah. Do you see the ocean changing? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, we see different swells coming that weren't happening years ago. You know what I mean? It was like predominantly West and now it's like a weird Northwest and we get a lot more of this type of wind. And so you're seeing those changes and that photo that you're talking about is actually called wave of change. Mm. And I shot that in Indonesia. And to this day, I get requests for it for people to, um, use it in education to help the ocean. And for me, it has been a dream come true to have an image of mine to evoke so much change and emotion in people. I think as a photographer, that's what we aim to be able to do. And to be able to tell that in one photo, to have so much impact for eight years now, nine years, it was on the cover of National Geographic, um, one of the European editions. And it's been used in other campaigns and spreads and other covers around the world. And it, it's, it's a very important image because I love the ocean. We love the ocean, but it's 
it's something that can help to evoke that change and hopefully inspire others to take care of it. Um, man, I, I think it's, uh, we need to take care of our planet. I mean, there's only one we've been entrusted yes. with it and we need to take care of it. And, and, and that picture, you need to go on that website and check it out. It'll, it'll, it'll make you sad because it's in the middle of all these gorgeous images underwater yeah. watching people surf in these tunnels yeah. of water, just so beautiful and pristine. And then you're like, Oh, did we really yeah. do that? Yeah. So, um, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. And I'm so thankful that we you. had this, you know, I'll tell you what social media can do a lot of good things and I'm glad that yes. we met on there and I'm just blessed to know you and to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time. It was good talking with you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, then you may want to check out episode 70 titled Sleep 101. This entire episode is dedicated to the science of sleep and practical tools you can implement today to continually get restful and fulfilling sleep. Finally, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app as this is the number one way to help us grow the podcast. Thanks for joining us today and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.